In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So, why does God test Philip here? We know in the beginning of this passage, Jesus asks Philip, like, what should we do? Like, we know there's a situation and 5,000 men, there's no food, and Philip obviously doesn't know what to do, right? Jesus knows what Philip is going to say, and he asks Philip, what do you think we should do? (laughs) And then the scripture explicitly tells us, he said this to test him, not really to discover what Philip has in mind or whatever. He already knows what's on Philip's mind, okay? Every time we think about God testing us, we pretty much see the same sort of situation. God tests us, not necessarily to discover what we're going to say. God already knows that. God knows everything that's on our mind, everything that's on our heart, both now and in the future. So He already knows what we're going to say ahead of time. He doesn't ask us or test us just to figure it out, right? Just to discover what's on our mind. He already knows that. The reason God tests us is for us to discover that. He asks us, He tests us, He puts us in these trials, not for Him to figure out what we're going to do or what we're going to say, but for us to figure out the integrity of our own faith, for us to discover what's really on our mind and what's on our heart. Okay? And we even see God testing us so that the integrity of our faith is not just revealed to us on a personal level, but it's revealed to the whole world. Right? Even in the case of Abraham, we know that God tested Abraham not just to discover what Abraham was going to do, he already knew that, and not just to reveal to Abraham himself the depth of his own faith and the reality of his faithfulness to God, but so others can look at Abraham as a model. So a lot of time, the testing of our faith is for our own benefit, for our own discovery, and for the discovery of the whole world around us, to serve as a model for others. C.S. Lewis says, God has not been trying to experiment on my faith or love in order to find out their quality. He knew it already. It was I who didn't. In this trial, He makes us occupy the dock, the witness box, and the bench all at once. He always knew that my temple was a house of cards. His only way of making me realize the fact was to knock it down. So, again, the test that we find ourselves in, the trials, every time there's a temptation, when we're tested, it's for us to discover the integrity of our faith. And a lot of times we really don't know what we're all about. We don't know what our faith is really made of until it's tested. Okay, Father Patrick Reardon says, faith is increased only by being tested. Faith is increased only by being tested. <clears throat> so, in a sense, when God says, I want to test you, He's really saying, I want to edify you. 
I want to increase your faith. I want to cultivate that faith. I want to purify the integrity of your faith. Okay? In Psalm 66.10, David says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You have refined us as silver is refined. Alright, so how is silver refined? It's thrown in a fire, just like gold. It's a precious metal and it typically has a lot of debris or some sort of um, particles that are, are burned away or consumed whenever it's thrown in the fire. So that gold or silver or whatever precious metal is purified by the fire. And so it reaches a greater state of purity or integrity from that heat, from, from that trial, from that test. St. Tronchism says, Do not fear the conflict, nor flee from it. Where there is no struggle, there is no virtue. Where faith and love are not tempted, it's not possible to, sh- to be sure whether they are really present. They are proved and revealed in adversity. And this is a constant theme throughout all the patristic writings. We see this throughout the, the ascetic fathers a lot. They talk about the tests that they endure and how much they, they grow through the tests and how much they discover their strengths and their weaknesses. They learn to depend on God and they come to know who they really are. Right? We, we come to discover like the reality of our own condition whenever we're tested. Okay? When everything is just smooth, like uh, we don't really know how much patience we're really lacking until we're sitting on the 405 in rush hour and we're not going anywhere for an hour. <laughs> and, and it's during that time that we realize, okay, there's something going on right here. Like this is something I need to work on. And if you think about the times in your life, when your faith was strongest, like the time whenever your faith really increased, it's typically during the times of adversity. It's right after you walk through the fire and you realize that God was working to cultivate this area in your life, to build this virtue, to teach you this lesson. And after the storm, you develop a greater dependence on God. Right? You realize God's goodness and you depend on Him. Your faith increases. That's why every trial, every test is essential for our salvation. It, it's critical that we're tested. St. Paisius says, In every test, let us say, Thank you, my God, because this was needed for my salvation. This was necessary. This was needed. This was essential. Like, without this, I wouldn't be on the path to become who you want me to be. You put this obstacle in my path for this very reason. You put this test, you put this trial in my way for this very reason. And that's what we have here in the case of Jesus testing Philip. What do you think we should do? And Philip responds saying, Well... You know, given the situation, we have this much food, this many people, 
and he's going about it rationally, clearly his faith isn't really there. Right? And that's what God wants to reveal for Philip. Philip, you're not really depending on me yet. I get that you have a lot of struggles in your life. I get that you're facing these giants. You're facing so many adversities. But how's the integrity of your faith? And not even in the sense of these big formal events or situations whenever we have a big problem or, or a big situation where our faith is tested, but the trials of our faith are trials on a daily level, like the, the trials of living life in general. Our typical interactions with others, our daily tasks, our activities, we're always tested or we're walking through some sort of trial in one way or another just throughout life as a whole. It's not just like whenever our bank account runs dry, that, okay, here's a test. Or whenever we're struggling at school and we don't know what to do in this big situation, that we say, okay, here's a trial. We got to step away from this sort of mindset that puts these trials in our lives in, in a different part, like as if our life is segmentalized where there are trials and times of just walking smoothly through life. Because the reality is our whole life is one big trial. <laughs> our whole life is a path of growing in our dependence on God, right? The way we use our time whenever we're just sitting and relaxing at home is a trial. The way we navigate through Facebook or Instagram or any sort of social media is a trial. Whether we're investing in the time that God gave us, the talents that God gave us. So how we use our time, how we interact with people, how we conduct our daily tasks, whether we're actually cleaning our house with a spirit of gratitude and joy, right? Not just cleaning with a sense of bitterness, right? Not just sitting at home during a pandemic with like a sense of resentment. Uh, whenever we interact with people, whether we're smiling and whether we're radiating the peace and the joy of Christ, those are all daily trials that really make up our entire life. So we got to get out of this idea that, oh, I was facing a trial last week whenever this happened. Or, you know, I see this person is going through this trial because like he lost a family member or something big or tragic like that. You know, we got to see life as one path in our efforts to increase our faith and to increase our dependence on God. If we always recognize that, we'll never fall into this trap of 
scrutinizing whether this trial is coming from God or from the devil or from our own weaknesses because we fall into that trap sometimes. We, we get analytical and, and like we're scrutinizing the source of the trial. And then we're bogged down by trying to figure out whether this trial is from God or from this person or from the devil or maybe from my own issues while we're actually missing the whole purpose of the trial or the struggle, which is for us to grow through it, despite the source or the origin of the trial, whether it's coming from God or the devil or whatever. St. Martha Ascetic says, when tested by some trial, you should try to find out not why or through whom it came, but only how to endure it gratefully without distress or rancor. I'm telling you, the moment we just totally forget about where the trial is coming from is the moment we can actually benefit from the trial. Because what does it matter whether God is actually testing us or the devil is actually the one attacking us or it's just the issues of people around us that are challenging us. Because in essence, God is omnipotent and he's allowing this to happen. Whether he himself is directly causing it or like in the case of Job, when the devil goes to him and asks for his permission and then the devil is the one that's harassing Job, we know that God is present and we know that God is allowing it. And regardless of the details behind the source of the trial, all that matters is that we endure with perseverance and faith. We endure gratefully. Now, of course, by enduring, that means we depend on God, right? The irony about faith and cultivating that dependence on God is that faith is something you could only learn on the job. Like you learn as you go. It's like sink or swim. (laughs) It's not like you build faith so that when you're in the trial that's going to test your faith, you have the faith to endure it. But you learn faith through the trial that you are enduring. Right? Faith is developed in the trial. And <clears throat> we, we can pray for faith and we should absolutely pray for faith because faith is a gift from God. But it's not like a magic trick. It's not like we just ask God and then just faith is poured out into our hearts. But when we pray for faith, we're praying for the fire to purify the impurities that are defiling our faith. We're praying for that trial to increase our faith. It's like praying for patience. You pray for patience, what does God do? He puts you in a long line. (laughs) He puts you in, in traffic and rush hour on the 405. Like that's my classic example of God teaching you to be patient. You pray for faith and patience and God gives you a big trial. God gives you a difficult situation to deal with. Or someone stubborn that you got to be kind and loving and patient with. That's how it works. That's how we develop. 
Think about Philip. How did his faith increase? Like, what did he learn from this test? After this specific trial, how was he changed? The first thing Philip learned was that God is the provider. God always provides. And Philip might have known this about God in theory. I'm sure he heard the stories or read the stories himself about the prophets and the patriarchs in the Old Testament. But here Philip learns this story through his own personal experience. And from experiencing the providence of Christ, he himself came to know Christ as the provider. He experienced that on a real personal level. If we think about this specific gospel account, this passage, and why we read it today, we see that today is the fifth Sunday of the month. And every time a Coptic month has a fifth Sunday, which is typically like an extra Sunday because we usually have just four, the church sees that as a bonus Sunday. It's like an extra week that we have, right? And for the church to make us mindful of God's providence, that He is always giving us more than we deserve, that He is giving us out of His abundance and out of His providence, the church puts this specific passage whenever God feeds the multitude to the extent that there are 12 fragments of baskets of the food that are left over. Like he feeds the people to such an extent that they're all filled and then there's an extra abundance that's left over. So we read this passage every time we're at the fifth Sunday of a month for the church to remind us that God is good. God provides. Even whenever we feel like we have nothing and it's an impossible situation. And the person who realizes God's goodness and providence is more dependent on God. Right? He has a greater faith. He knows that God is his provider. So he continues to depend on him more and more and more and more. Remember that in the story of Job, after that trial that he faced, he learned this reality. But, but again, it, it came after walking through the fire. It came after the trial. And the first thing that Job says in response to God putting him in his place, like at the very end of the trial, at the end of the book, whenever Job is finally just burnt out and he's questioning God and he's like, I would rather die. And God like puts him in his place. Like, where were you when I put the stars in their orbits? And where were you whenever I parted the land from the sea? Where were you when I did this and this and this? And who are you to think that you can control this or that? And then Job is like, whoa, I get it. That you are the creator. That you are the provider. That... You are the Pantocrator. You are the Almighty. So the first thing he responds in Job 42 verse 2, he says, I know you can do all things and nothing is impossible for you. That's the first thing out of Job's mouth. The first lesson that he learns 
out of the most miserable experience. I mean, if somebody had it rough, it would be Job. <laughs> Lost everything. And then God puts him in his place and he says, You are God. <laughs> Nothing is impossible for you. You can do all things. I know you can do all things and nothing is impossible for you. And if we continue to reflect on Job's situation, we can realize another big lesson that comes from the testing of our faith. And, and this other lesson is still related to Job's realization that God is omnipotent. But a little bit later in that chapter, in verse 5, Job says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and I repent. I regard myself as dust and ashes. After he recognized God's greatness, God's providence, that nothing is impossible for God, he saw how small he is. To the extent that he says, I despise myself. I regard myself as dust and ashes. This was the very reason God allowed Satan to test Job. So Job can reach a point of humility. right? And Job was already a righteous man as God himself testified. A blameless man. But it wasn't enough. God wanted him to be perfected. And so he endured this trial. So the extent of his humility would go from here to here. Like it's already up in the sky. <laughs> his holiness, his righteousness is already up in the sky. But God wants to perfect us even more. And so every test is for us to recognize God's providence, God's love, God's righteousness. And for also to recognize how small we are, like how incompetent we are, how weak we are, to recognize that we really are nothing. And, and we learn how much we're lacking the more we're tested. We come to, to realize that our weaknesses are not just like a thought in the back of our mind, but an actual reality. C.S. Lewis says the real test of being in the presence of God is that you either forget about yourself altogether or you see yourself as a small, dirty object. So when we're tested, we realize our nothingness. Like the way C.S. Lewis says it, you see yourself as a small, dirty object. And, and this is actually the entirety of the process that we endure when we're tested. Not just the product, but like this is the theme of every trial from start to finish. Like as a matter of fact, our incompetence or our nothingness is exactly what sets the stage for every test that we experience. Like this is the context for every test or trial. So there's always a situation of inadequacy or impossibility. Like there's a situation where we see no way out. We see that we're incapable of accomplishing the task. Like think of Abraham. His faith is tested whenever 
He's going to be a father of nations. He's going to be the, the one to give birth to the, the seed that will be the, the, the nation of God. And he's that chosen patriarch. And then God tells him, you got to offer your son. How is that going to happen? Right? It's impossible for what you're telling me to happen if I'm going to offer my son. If we think of the story of Gideon and how he had the smallest army and he's facing the Midianites, the biggest, strongest, most numerable soldiers, the biggest army, and then God strips him down to 300 men. So the testing of faith comes whenever we're like, whoa, this is impossible. I've, I've got nothing to work with. But this is whenever God's strength is revealed. Right? Think of every situation where your faith is tested. It comes in the context of having nothing or being inadequate in the situation, having a certain weakness that you know is not going to cut it. It's not going to be enough. Right? There's no way that I could defeat the Midianites with these 300 men when the Midianites are thousands of big, strong soldiers. <laughs> so our, our faith is never tested when we're in a state of competence. Like, your faith in God, when it comes to tithing, for example, is not tested whenever you have a million extra dollars sitting in your account. <laughs> Think of the widow with the two mites. Like that's the real test of faith. When you've got nothing and you give, right? How your charity is tested when you have nothing to give, when you have just two mites. But I don't know how much our charity is really tested when we have all the money in the world, when we have all the time to spare, whenever we have an abundance of energy that we're spending on people. But when we're stripped down to the scarcity of our possessions and we say, okay, I'm still going to give. That's the real test of faith. Father Patrick Reardon says, the testing of our faith requires cultivation of dependence on God. So if you think about when faith is most needed, it's that situation when I have nothing and I'm almost forced to depend on God. Like I resort to that. Like it's when we're in a tight spot, we feel completely incompetent or inadequate. Right? So that test cultivates our dependence on God. So I want to leave you with a verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Just to leave you with an encouraging note. St. Paul tells us, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with every temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Regardless what test we have, regardless of the trial, God is faithful. 
if we have so much as five loaves and two fish and we're trying to feed 5,000 people, God will still make it happen. And that trial will never come without the grace to carry that cross and, and to be faithful in God's eyes. Unto Him is due all glory forever and ever. Amen.